The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. This is an odd passage in the middle of our sex god season because it doesn't look like it's talking about just sexuality, uh, but it's connected because it's sandwiched in the middle of this marriage chapter in 1 Corinthians 7, and it's about calling. It's about contentment. It's about worry. So if you've ever had questions about your calling, if you've ever found yourself struggling with being content with where you are and what God has for you today, or if you've ever found yourself crippled by worry, today's going to be your day. So we're going to pray and we're going to jump into the text. Hopefully you're flipping or scrolling there in the word of God, and we will see what the Lord has for us this morning. Father, I pray that this morning as we read through your word, that you would speak to people right where they are at, that today we would learn in this place to leave our past mistakes and regrets in the past because they're unchangeable. Lord, I pray that today we would have a proper lens for thinking about the future, and that lens would not include worry or anxiety. Lord, I pray today for people who are questioning their calling in you, that they would find peace and contentment. Lord, speak to us today. Change lives today. Lead people into your family today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you guys hear that? It's because it's so cold outside. The AC actually thought, I'll turn off. Rare occurrence in Florida. Keep breathing. There's plenty of you full of hot air in here to keep it going. Mm. On the flip note, um, I do want to thank Pam and Don for throwing an amazing gala. And Gary, the DJ, where are you at, Gary? <laughs> Gary, the DJ. If it wasn't for you, Gary, I'd be walking normally today. Thank you for my knee injury. And just a, this is a free, unsermon-related thing. When you are in your late 30s, the Russian squat dance is not something that is built for your knees, apparently. Um, but I thought it's such a blessing because my sister-in-law and brother-in-law are moving in next week, and all of a sudden, I can't walk upstairs. Oh, me, oh, my, what a tragedy this is. I'm a terrible person. Jesus, help me. When I became a follower of Jesus, the calling word came up a lot. And uh, oftentimes it does. Whether you become a follower of Jesus in, in school, as a child, or as an adult, you, you wonder, what does God want me to do? What am I supposed to do? And most of you here have some type of job, some more difficult than others, as the world scales them. Today is about this. How do you find your calling? What does it look like to be content right here, right now, today? Now, I know contentment is a difficult word. But I want us to look at, in this passage today, how do you know what your calling is? How do you operate in it with contentment, and why does it matter? So in verse 17, we start. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? 
Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. All the guys said, ouch. I don't even know what that looks like, feels like, is like. But people were trying to undo circumcision because they said, we're in Christ now. We don't want to be associated with the old ways. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Verse 20, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bond servant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Now, I, I have, I've been pondering worry and contentment for some time. It's been one of my big themes this year because generally I'm not prone to be a worrier. And this year I received the gift of worry. And I, I know that at this time of the year, I can see it on some of your faces. The gift of worry has been given to some of you. And you have things that are going on in your life and you don't know how to process or what the future holds. I love this passage because in verse 17 to 19, you have a group of people who came to know the Lord and they're trying to change their past. And then in verses 20 to 23, you have a group of people who are trying to change their future. They're trying to change their calling. And God is saying to us today, you need to let go of your past and you need to not be concerned with what tomorrow has, but be content with where the Lord has you today. Now, I don't know about you, but Every time I read the Bible and I come across talk of circumcision, and because this is the Sex and God series, we've talked about far more uh, detailed things. The idea of circumcision was this. The Jewish people were circumcised, and it was a mark to make them known as God's people. And I don't know how. I've often wondered this in men's Bible studies. This is what a men's Bible study degrades to, in case you women ever wanted to know. We just degrade to middle schoolers. So we'll be there having a men's Bible study, and we'll say, hey, do you ever wonder how other people knew if you were circumcised or not? And then all the grown men will go like, <laughs> I don't know either. Instead of getting caught up in that, I want us to think about this. People that were following God as Jewish people were trying to undo their circumcision. I've attended 1.5 of these events in my life, not counting myself. And when my children were circumcised, the first one, obviously, was my old eldest child. I told Amy, I cannot go in the room because they laid out the kid on a crucifix, literally. It's a plastic board, and they strapped their hands down, and I was about to pass out. So I walked out of the room. Amy came out. Eight seconds later, white as a sheet. The blood had left her face. And she said, if we ever have another boy, I'm not doing that again. Fast forward three years. We're pregnant. Yay. And in my heart of hearts, I'm like, dear Lord Jesus, let it be a girl because circumcision. And it was a boy. And the day came. And um, we went and hired, like, a doctor who was also a rabbi. I'm like, I want this to be the fastest, just in and out, very God-honoring thing. And Amy said, I'm out. She tapped out. And I tapped in. And, uh, and I read this passage, and I think, how do you undo 
circumcision, physically? Why would someone try to undo this? What does this even mean in this context and passage? And it has, as much as the physical aspect confounding, this idea of mutilating yourself in order to try to be more pleasing to Jesus. And it also carries with it an idea and concept of race and calling. Now, most of us here aren't going to have this battle, but the battle we are going to have is the same battle that some of these religious people were facing. There are too many of us that think something in our past has to change in order for our future to be with God. And I know, I know, I know that this is a hard one to swallow. But everything in your past, and this is going to make total sense. It's just purely logical. You cannot change a single thing in your past. You can try to cover it up. You can try to spin the way that you talk about it. But everything that you've done is done. Everything that's been done to you has been done to you. You cannot change it. It is immutable. So what do you do with it? Paul right here is saying, look, you guys had a past way. of you, you thought this was right, and you did these things, and now they were going back trying to undo their past. They were trying to change something central to who they are. Now, when it came to my calling, there were a lot of things that I wanted to change. And even now when I talk with my wife about it, she'll tell her story about how she grew up in the church. And she'll say things like, ah, I just... I just wish that, you know, I, I had this opportunity to go out and, and have a life like you had. I know you don't wish that. And then sometimes I look at her and I think, man, it must have just been so cool to have a life like you had. And we think about the past. We think about the sins that we've both done. We think about the failures that we've had. And as, as tempting as it is to play Adam and Eve's game, to cover up your sin, to try to hide your sin or to try to blame others, it does not help or change anything. Just recently, one of my kids got busted doing something. And uh, I'm not going to tell you what it was because you'll expect this of my children. They're pastor's kids. Okay, I'll tell you what it was. Hopefully they're not on Facebook. One of them was in the shower, and it was steaming up. And they wrote a word, a special word, in the foggy glass to the other one of my children. And they both come out, and one of them says, this word was written in the fog, and then he wiped it away. Narrowed it down to two. It's a he. I didn't write it. I swear it wasn't me. I didn't do it. I said, okay, give me all your phones. One of you is lying, because one of you says he did it. One of you says he did it, and both of you said that you're both doing it, and I don't know who to believe, so I'm going to punish all of you, including Bella, just for fun. And I have this thing that I've shared before where I just give them one, one chance. And I, I did it last night. I sat on the corner of my bed, and I said, okay, boys, this is your one moment. You have one chance to tell the truth, one chance to speak everything that is true about this situation. Who wrote the F word on my shower glass? And if you tell me now, you walk away free. I know some of you are thinking, that's a bad parenting move. Wait till you hear how amazing it ended up. They both welled up 
like a Diet Coke bottle filled with Mentos. And you can see the pressure building, like an instant pot gone wrong. The pressure, and you could see eyes reddening. You could see waterfalls. And then finally one of them broke. I did it! I wrote the whole word! It wasn't just the letter F and then a U. It was the whole word. And I thought, victory is mine. And they said, what's my punishment? I said, go to bed. I'm going to think about it. So I sent them to bed. And I woke up this morning. And they said, what's my punishment? And I said, your punishment? What punishment? For the thing that I did. Oh, you don't know that that was nailed to the cross already. You're still thinking about that? So is that it? Am I free? I've been telling you you're free your whole life. So what do I do now? You don't write the F word on my shower glass. You obey God's commandments. And you obey your Father's commandments. So we'll see if it happens again. But I really was taken aback because that whole time they were both pointing at each other. He did it. No, he did it. I didn't do it. He wrote this. I only wrote this. No, maybe he wrote that. And there was this blame and this twisting because they were trying to change their past. Regret lives in the past. Many of you have regrets. Some of you in this room are crippled by regrets so much that you cannot go a day without feeling the effects of shame and guilt from things that you've done in the past. These people in the Corinthian church were trying to rewrite their history. God has a very different plan for us and how we ought to deal with it. Because I, if you're anything like me, you can play these games. It's the if-only game. Any of you guys played this? If only I could do this over again. If only I had listened sooner. If only, if only I could erase this part of my past. If only I could forgive myself for doing this. Anyone played that game? So here's a very simple way. Instead of these people trying to go and, and undo their circumcision, to undo their past because they wanted to be on the new team, it's a very simple formula that the Bible teaches over and over and over and over and again. Admit your guilt. Own it. Don't blame someone else. Every time my kids get in any fight, and it's usually the middle, Silas and Savannah, or the biggles, we call them, Silas and Jackson. And it's just a finger-pointing game until eventually everyone's grounded, and somehow I even have Amy's phone. <laughs> Admit your guilt. Say, I'm guilty. I own it. It's me and me alone. And then you hand it over to the cross. You don't make excuses. You don't try to cover it up. Don't look at this. Don't look at that. Admit your guilt, own it, hand it over to the cross. Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Accept Christ's forgiveness. He is waiting to clean your slate. Every day, every moment, every failure, he's waiting to wipe away all that you've done, and he doesn't need you to have some self-beating thing to make you feel better. He doesn't need you to undo your past things and write a new history book. He needs you to say, I did it, I own it, and I'm bringing it to you. It's difficult to accept Christ's forgiveness. For some of you, I know this, because I've been pastoring here for four and a half years. 
ask him to clear your conscience. If we believe in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, yet so many people, especially at this time of year, condemn themselves over and over and over again. So forgive yourself if Christ has forgiven you. I love the way the message puts this particular verse in Isaiah. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the d- desert, rivers, and the badlands. That's Isaiah 43, 18-19 in the message. And that's the first bucket that I want to talk about today because our lives have two buckets, and the past bucket is that. And we need to know how to take all of our history, put it in the past bucket, and not drive our lives only using the rearview mirror. It's okay to look back and remember and to be grateful for what Christ has done, but then we have the future bucket, tomorrow's bucket, the bucket of worry. I know that nobody in here struggles with worry. I get that. But this idea in verse 20, when, when Paul is talking about what do you do when you're called, you don't go and try to undo your past. He says, remain in the condition in which you were called. If you were a slave, just stay a slave because it's all about Jesus anyway. If you were unmarried, the Bible's going to teach us next week, just stay unmarried. If you're married, stay married. You don't have to try to change everything up. You don't have to shake things up. Wherever God called you, be content in that day. But then it says, and it's speaking to the slaves, if you're a slave and you, you come to Christ, just stay under your master. And the Bible talks about freeing slaves, and it's, it's anti-slavery as the Bible story develops. But Paul says, don't even worry about that, because you're a slave for Christ anyway. And he does say something interesting, but if you gain your freedom, go. And this speaks to contentment. Because there are too many of us that are waiting for tomorrow to happen. You're waiting for something to break tomorrow so much so that you cannot be content with where God has you today. Could be a health issue. Could be a knee issue. I told, I've been telling people that this, this, my first injury last February gave me a new perspective that I love because I love things that remind me of my need for God. So when I heard my knee pop right about here where Peggy is, I was trying to get Corey to dance because he was feeling a little shy. So I went full Russian, Russian squat kick, and I, I rushed down, and I never rushed back up. Um, and and I, I remember thinking, like, this is going to hurt for quite some time. I felt the pop. My knee did that little, like, old-school basketball thing where, like, your kneecap's like, hey, and it opens up and goes back down. Uh, and now people are like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, why are you sorry? I get a step-by-step reminder that Jesus is my healer. I get a a time of not having to move someone up a second-story house. I get, for the next four to six months, the ability to walk upstairs and lean on my banister and be reminded with every step that I need Jesus more than I need that banister. Because when my legs are healthy, I think about none of this. None of it. I just walk upstairs. Ah! And now I'm like, yeah, I got to lean if you saw me going up these stairs, I'm leaning now on what was my bad leg. Now it's my good one, my goodish one. 
And so often we can get caught up in, if my body felt this way, if I had these finances, if I just could get this job. And Paul says, today, today, remain in the condition where you're at today. And if your condition can improve tomorrow, so be it. But where you are today, be content. For the Lord who has called you has made you a servant of Christ. So you could be a servant of Christ as a, as a poor person or a servant of Christ as a rich person. You could be a servant of Christ as someone whose body aches or a servant of Christ as somebody who can run freely and apparently for fun. But will you be content or will you continually worry? Matthew 6 has got a great a great section on worry, and I've been ruminating on it. I've been letting it percolate in my brain like a coffee maker, and I've, I've been listening to sermons and podcasts and just trying to chew on, like, why is it, Lord, that I was worrying for so long? And then I, I realized regret lives in the past, and there's things about worry that I learned. Worry lives in the future, and I can't control it. Worry is unreasonable. There is no good reason to worry. The Bible says you cannot change the color of your hair with worry. You can't add an hour to your life with worry. Studies actually show that you'll reduce hours from your life with worry. Worry is unnatural, Matthew 6 teaches us. Even the birds don't worry. They just flutter around. And then worry is unhelpful. Worry is unnecessary because there is nothing about the act of worrying that can change tomorrow. Yet it's a practice that we all have. Some of us Maybe are so gifted at worrying, you just thought it was one of your spiritual gifts. I wake up every morning, and anxiety swells up in me with despair. The reason I know this is true for so many is because anytime I write anything about worrying, people are like, this, needed this, this is me, right now I needed this. doesn't matter if I post it in December or June. I needed this right now because we worry. And we forget. We forget that it's unnatural. The birds don't worry. We forget that it's unreasonable that you can't add an hour to your life. You can't change a hair on your head because of the act of worrying. Yet how many of us fall into this temptation? How many of us aren't content with where we are today? And I get it. It's hard. Some of you are like, but you don't understand. I really just need that extra $10,000. I really just need that extra touch to heal that one part of my body that's been plaguing me forever. If I just had that, then my life would be better. But contentment, living with gratitude for today, it can change your holiday season. It can change not only, hol- not only your holiday season, it can change every area of your life. I've been sharing with people recently how free I've felt. I, I let go of my worry about two and a half weeks ago. I just said, Lord, I want to try to create strategies, and I try to figure things out. And for me, it came in two facets. There are two buckets. There's my past bucket and my future bucket. And in my mind, they're just mental buckets. And instead of letting my past bucket speak into my life, well, you've done this, you did this, you think this, I think that's in the past. It's already done. I'm going to put it here, and Jesus died for it. And then when I go to my worry bucket, all the things about tomorrow, I say, I'm just going to drop those here, Lord, so I can live today. And you would not imagine how free it is to live with almost no worry. Now, every time worry creeps in, my mind has been automatically just throwing it in the bucket. And I walk around and I get to see people and be present with people. I gave up. I used to do that thing where you would schedule meetings. Because as a pastor, 
you know, some, some weeks there's a lot of meetings, and they're back to back to back to back to back. So you say, okay, I'll do one. I can meet with you for one hour. And I thought, Lord, that doesn't seem very pastor-like. I'm just going to meet with people. And if they need to meet for three hours, then they meet for three hours. And I'll just put a buffer in the middle so that I can be present and not have to be thinking about what's next. And it's been so freeing. Now, some of you are like, I want to be content. How do you be content? Paul, the same person who's writing this, the same person who's saying, be content with wherever God has called you. Be content with the calling he has in your life, whether you're making burgers, whether you're owning all the Burger Kings, which is probably not a good company to own right now. They tried to do a vegan burger. Whatever it is that God has called you to do, be present in that. Paul said in Philippians 4, a very famous verse, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. Okay, Paul, how did you learn to be content? How did you learn to not live in your past and not worry about your future? He tells us a little bit. He says, I've been brought low. I've, I've had plenty. I've had little. And in every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and facing hunger. What is the secret? It's this verse that we all take out of context a bajillion times a year. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You know, there's a whole fitness group of Christian people, and they put this on their t-shirts. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, I'm not judging their hearts, but I am. I want to see them wear that shirt when they tear a tendon in their knee, when they get their Achilles ruptured. I want to see them wear that shirt when they can't run, when they're addicted to Krispy Kreme donuts 20 years from now. I can do all things. I can run through Christ who strengthens me. I can Krispy Kreme through Christ who strengthens me. But no, it's always like this like weird, positive, suburban slant. And it's a true verse. You can do all things. But in the context, Paul's saying, you want to know how to be content? I make Christ my strength. He's the one I live for today and trust for tomorrow and believe that he paid for yesterday. Until we can get to that point, until we can understand that it all revolves around living for Christ today, now, in the present, you will be plagued by future worries or past regrets. The secret. This is not really a secret that none of us here don't know. You say, Lord, today, I'm promised today. And some of us even know, as life becomes more fragile, that maybe not even to the end of today. But it changes so much. I was hanging out with, with Jake, this guy playing guitar. I don't know where he's hiding right now. Probably in the back because he doesn't even hear this sermon. And, uh, and something clicked in my brain. I thought, this could be the last time that I see, see Jake. I, all I have is today. Could be me or could be him could be some crazy situation. So what would it look like if I loved Jake today like it was just our last day? And we laughed. We sat so long at foundation, we burned all of the gas out of their fire pit, and we cried and laughed, and we did one of those, like, bromance hugs. I was like, man, that was so good. And I told him, I said, let's do this again next week. Let's make him keep buying propane. One coffee for a whole propane tank? I think that's a deal. 
and just to find that moment where nothing in the future worried me. Nothing that's gone on was nagging at me. And don't get me wrong, like the, you can still talk about them, but you don't let them control you. You don't let them shape your emotions and drag you into those days because there's nothing you can do about it. You just say, Lord, I need your strength for today, to get through today, to love people today, to live in your calling today. Because all of the questions that people give me about calling, they say, who am I supposed to marry? What job am I supposed to have? Where am I supposed to move? Some Christians can tune into that. I have a different philosophy. My philosophy is this. I know exactly what the Bible calls all of us to do, to make disciples of people, to bring pockets of heaven into this midst of hell that exists around us to love people deeply, to care for people who aren't cared for. And I've been so thrilled lately to hear what other people say about you guys, the Chapel family. And people call us a fostering church. That is crazy to me. But you know what's even more exciting? I've decided that fostering is insanely harder than I ever thought or knew. Like, we did it for two weeks, give or take, with one child. Some of these people have 1,300 children. And my wife and I were like, our hair looked like Einstein. I was texting people there, our fosters. I was like, someone's going to die in my house tonight. Help. Marbles have been lost. And I'm doing it because I feel like that's what God has called us to do. Not because he whispered into my ear, because he says it right in the Bible. And you know what else I'm super excited about? I met with the, the old folks' home that was been in the Bulletin, Twin Creeks Retirement Assisted Living Community, Bell Shoals Boyette, right behind Jets Bagels and 7-Eleven. We're, we're launching there for their Christmas service with their families on December 15th. That's next Sunday night. And I was so tempted because the Steelers game, football, got moved to Sunday night football. Sunday Night Football, and I thought, well, Lord, what if I get caught up praying with old people and I miss the game? <laughs> Lord, every prayer I've prayed for that man, <laughs> just give him all the bad ones of blessings. I'm not worried about it. If they lose, they lose. If they don't, they don't. But I was, I was telling Amy, I said, I... As much as I like the idea of fostering, I'm doing it because out of obedience, and it's difficult. But when I see the faces of these old gals, there's one lady in particular, Nala. It's not Nyla, it's Nala. I don't know if it's an A or an I. It's Southern is what it is. And um, I just sat with her and talked, and we were talking to a parrot named Nala. And my soul was just on fire. So I know that God has given me a special desire to care for people that are in that season of life, probably because of my fascination with death and the afterlife. So I'm just like curious. I'm like, you're so close. <laughs> if you're new, don't take that the wrong way. Like just yesterday, he called me old, and I said, be jealous. I'm closer because I'm ready, but I'm content to be here. Because of the calling that God has on us to bring heaven where there is hell. To bring relationship and love where there is not. On Thursday before a meeting that I went to with a group of pastors, we meet at this location in one of their little dining room things. I got there uh, too early, 30 minutes too early. So I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? And it just so happened they were having lunch. So I sat down with these three lovely ladies. And we talked and laughed. 
and uh, we laughed because all of their husbands had passed away, and, uh, and they were like, you're a good-looking man, and I was like, I'm taken, you know, <laughs> and, um, and they said, we, when it, so you're going to start doing more services? I was like, yeah, and they go, will you ever come visit us? And I was like, yes, they said, we would love that. I said, it's a date. First Wednesday next month, I'm coming to lunch just to hang out with you three ladies. They said, look for us. We're always at this table. I said, you ain't going nowhere fast, so I'll find you. And we had a great conversation. We did. And we joked. They joked with me. I joked with them. Next time I go in, I'm going to have a walker as well, probably at my current trajectory. <laughs> but it, it lights me up. Foster, fostering for us is because it's, it's what it's supposed to be. And, and I'm not worried about what's to come. I can't speak for everyone else in my family. But I've just said this, Lord, today, here's who's in my house, my wife, my four children, and probably some stragglers will come and go throughout the day. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm not going to worry about what happens when there's a whole squadron of people moving into my house. I'm not going to worry about my internet speeds going slower because there's going to be four Fortnite addicts in my house or video game addicts. I'm not going to worry about what it's going to be like having teenage boys over here and another married couple just walking around. I'm not going to worry about it because it's in tomorrow's hands. And I can do that because Christ strengthens me. I could not foster unless Christ strengthened me. My wife could not foster sans murder unless Christ strengthened her. And not murdering the foster kid. She loves that kid. It was everyone else she was going to murder. What does it mean to be content when life is throwing so much at us? Some of you have stress upon stress that is coming at you at 100 miles an hour. 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 8 tells you this. There is great gain in godliness with contentment. If you want to be godly in what God has called you to do, be content with right where you're at. And if you get blessed to do something different tomorrow, be grateful and be content right where that is. Well, you don't understand. I'm not going to have enough to pay my bills. Let's get rid of some of your bills together. I know it's harder than it sounds. I've threatened to, to unplug Netflix and Hulu at my house I don't know how many times. And it's always the same response. That's only like $25. That's $25 more than we w wouldn't be saving. Like, let's just get rid of it. I don't win that argument. We still have Netflix and Hulu. And I think we have Disney Plus now. It's just a tragedy. But are you content with the job that you have? Are you content with the amount of money you have? Because if you are content, and I want to give you a definition of contentment so we're on the same page. Contentment is not settling for what you have. It's trusting that what you have today is exactly enough to lead you into the type of faith God is growing in you in this moment. It's not saying, fine, Lord, I'll just be okay with this. It's saying, no, Lord, I believe that this today is exactly what you want me to have, to have the type of faith that will lead me to where you're taking me. And until you can get to that point of embracing that, you'll get grumpy when you hurt yourself. You'll get grumpy when you don't have a bill. Now, it's, I'm going to be a little honest here. If, if you're in a marriage and one of you is more content than the other, it will bug the other person. If you're like, happy as a clam, I'm content. They'll look at you and say, you shouldn't be. I say, well, I can't change tomorrow. But contentment isn't just settling. It's embracing. 
It's embracing that your past has been paid for and that someone else holds your future that's vastly more powerful than you. If you want to get godliness, practice contentment. Contentment brings gains in godliness. I obviously don't work out, but my brother does. And if you've, if you've seen, if you've met my brother, you wouldn't know if, if you've never been introduced because we look nothing alike. I'm the attractive, sexy one. Um, he's the one. I've got the dad pack. He's got like the 30 pack, okay? He's King Leonidas, like reborn. And, um, and he takes all these things. I've never been a workout guy. Some of you are workout people. There's like proteins and stuff, right? And there's not even just proteins. There's like pre-workout. Like before I get to the gym, let me juice up on this. And then this is my meal. Ooh, two scoops of this chocolate fudge death powder. And then I have a post-workout. And then I've got a nighttime thing. I'm like, dude, I've just got spaghetti, coffee, coffee, spaghetti. <laughs> That's my workout. That's what supplies this physique, okay? But I remember, I remember, there's this picture that we have. Remember the picture, Mom, in Hawaii where we're playing basketball in the rain? It's when I had been, like, spear, spear fishing every day. So I'm, like, pretty lean and gristly, not Florida fluffy that I have now. But Trent was just a high school kid. It was like if you just cooked a green bean stock and put an afro on him. That's Trent. That's all he was. And we're playing basketball. And I like the picture because we're drenched in rain. We're playing in our board shorts. And I'm just shooting. And that's the Trent I remember. That's the Trent I grew up with. I changed his diapers. And he beat me in arm wrestling recently. And uh, when he beat me, I just reminded him, I changed your diapers. I don't care if you beat me in arm wrestling. I've changed your diapers. And you're going to have to change mine soon. <laughs> it's coming around. And I look at him, and he's, he's a monster of a man. And he keeps telling me, Ryan, come to the gym with me. Let's do leg day. I'm like, Trent, I can't even dance <laughs> without injuring myself. What do you mean leg day? If I walk, that's a successful leg day. Dude, I got this for you. If we'll do this, we'll, I'll get you. You just be, imagine, man, if you were as big as me at your height, you would terrify little children. Yeah, that's what a pastor wants. Just walk around Publix. Where's my hammer? You know? I don't need that in my life. Yes, I do. I don't need it. I'm content. Now, I, I look at him, and I look at all that he goes through. And the Bible has a very simple recipe, not for gaining muscle, not for gaining physique, but if you want to be godly, the Bible says again and again and again, it's simple. Be where you are now for Christ all in. Whether you're working a job you don't like, whether you're working a job you love, be all in for Christ. Everything that is around your life, that God has added to your life, they are not what defines you. What defines you is you are a servant of Christ, and your job is one branch off that tree. Your family is one branch off that tree. Your finances are one branch. Your hobby is one branch. And you can take those. God can move them, change them, chop them off, grow a new one. If you're in Christ, contentment is so easy. I've been content when I've had to go to my in-laws and say, we need, can we live with you guys again? I got my whole master's degree sitting at my in-law's dining room table, just plunking away, writing papers. And if you were like, well, wasn't that tough? It was so easy. It was exhausting. And I love them. But it's hard to be content sometimes. I get it. The reason why so often we struggle, I think, finding godliness in our own lives is because we are waiting for some magic thing to change in the future. Or we're waiting for something 
in our past to be so far in our own history book that nobody else remembers it. We, we're not willing to leave these things at the cross, and we're not willing to leave these things in God's hand, that we keep dipping in these buckets and living in days that aren't today. Contentment doesn't just say, I'm going to settle with what you've given me, God. It says, Lord, this must be what you have for me. So it doesn't matter what I did in the past. I don't need to try to change things. I don't need to try to, to alter things like the, these people were trying to undo the marks of circumcision. You don't have to try to undo your past sins. You just leave them at the cross. And then as far as worry goes, sit in Matthew 6. Read the verses about how godliness comes with contentment. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you the, everything you need. The power in this text that we read this morning is the very last verse, in verse 24. So brothers, in whatever condition you are called, just be there. Just be there. Remain there with God. It's easy to try to pick apart things. But you've been freed. You've been freed from everything you've done, and you've been freed from having to worry about anything in your future. Galatians 1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Do not be enslaved again to the past things that have controlled you. Do not be enslaved to the things that have not yet come to pass. You can be free in this moment right now. I can't do it. You don't understand my situation. You don't understand the, the stresses that I have. Here's what I know. The things that we're going to talk about at this meeting, <laughs> at the end of the second service, they gave me a hundred million reasons to worry. But for some reason, focusing on today has let me become more present than I think I've ever been in my life. Every time a worry comes up, I take it and I throw it in the bucket. Every time Satan or sin brings up a past mistake I've done, I take that and I throw it in that bucket, which is soaked in the blood of Jesus. And over and over again, I've done this process, and I've just been free. Now, don't be jealous of my freedom and say, I wish I could be that free. Because you can be today. If you can walk out of here today, look at the person that you walk out of here with and say, Today is what I've got with you. I'm going to love you like Jesus loved me 100%. You'll find out a little taste of freedom when you're present with some old ladies and men. There's a handful of guys over there at the Twin Creek Retirement Community. You'll see freedom, just joy, being present with them, not trying to get anything from them because they have, you know, they're not going to come out and say, here's all my money. They're not going to come to you and, and start leading you in some way. They're going to teach you through their wisdom and experiences, that's for sure. When you foster a kid and he comes to your house with no behavioral issues, no medical issues, and is potty trained, and you realize that the Florida foster care system lies because he had none of those three things were true, uh, you could worry I worried. I was like, he's got, there's like a hernia and a thing and all these things. I was like, Lord, like I've bleached this mattress twice in two days. Somehow he peed through the pee barrier. It was a miracle pee. And I said, Lord, today I can show this kid love. And today I can be present with my wife, whose hair was being electrified. Today I can try to corral my children in another room so that my wife can sleep for a moment 
today I can call my mother-in-law and beg her to come take some of my kids. <laughs> Please, Lord. But if, if I just focused on today, it's so peaceful. Because we can all manage one day, I'm pretty sure. So start with today. And try not to go hit, hit it over the fence. Just say, if a past thing comes up and shame tries to creep in, I'm going to put it in my past bucket. If a worry about tomorrow comes, I'm going to put it in my tomorrow bucket. And I'm going to be here with God and with the people who love me today. And then listen. And God will speak to you. If you're in his word, if you're praying to him, let his voice be your guide. And I'm telling you, it's the most exhilarating feeling to be free from worry and free from regret and to live as God has called you, to be content with the money, the sexuality, the relationships, the job, the status, to say, this is what God must have for me today to be content. And I'll pray for tomorrow and leave those worries in his hands. To Christ be the glory. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you would love us so. That during a Christmas season, a season of stress with travel and family and bills and credit cards and debt and presents and questions and dinners and get-togethers. In a time, Lord, where people have questions about money, some people here wonder what type of calling do I have. Lord, let your calling be dictated and shown by your word. Let us care for the orphans, the widows, and the poor. Let us make disciples of the children and the students and one another. Lord, let us push back the darkness. Let us bring heaven where there is so much hell. And let us live for today because we're not promised tomorrow. And let us take all of our worries and cares and cast them on you because you care for us. Let us take all of our shame and condemnation and put it on the cross because on the cross in Christ there is no condemnation. Lord, this is the gift you give us today. And Father, I think so many of us talk about freedom, have thought about freedom, but have never tasted freedom. So set people free today. Set people free from, from these constant pangs in our culture that tell us tomorrow will be different. Help us to just trust that today is the day we have and that your mercies are enough and good and true and will guide us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.